crotch. I'm going to make all your hope disappear. disappear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It was like when he was in the interrogation room. And uh, he's like, and you cut six of our best players. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to know which ones were cowards? <laughs> <laughs> he's interviewing Kruger. You remind me of my father. I hated my father. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm ready if you guys are. And here we Welcome to episode 106 of Beyond the Blade. I am your co-host, Chad Didi Menesis, and as always, joined by Anthony Chandra and Mr. Bill Shockey. Gentlemen, what is going on on this depressing evening, two nights before hockey starts? How are you guys? Hockey hasn't started yet. I said before <laughs> hockey starts, Bill, before hockey starts. <laughs> You're depressed already. That's oh, gonna be... yeah. Yeah, it's going really, really well for me. I mean, uh, hockey's coming back. Right? I mean, yeah, that's a good thing, right? I mean, there's, there's other teams we'll be able to watch, I guess. Oh, I'm just glad the paper oh, really transactions they made like kind of like softened the blow on things almost. Where people <laughs> were panicking about that. Then it's like, oh, good. It's just the terrible reality we had before. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that was the joke. I mean, it's a smart PR move by them, right? Because it kind of like hides it up. We got everyone like riled up like, oh, okay. They're just kidding. They forget about everything else. We never forget here at BTV. <clears throat> no, we don't. We don't. So, uh, so yeah, the season is, I don't know, a day or two days away. Two days away from recording this. Uh, one day away from when you're listening to it. But uh, as we've kind of, I guess, done maybe all off-season, um, I think the optimism, if you're looking for optimism, you're probably not going to find it here. Although, to be fair, I am going to try to find some optimistic things for you, but you're not going to find a ton of it here. Especially after the way the lines went in practice today, you're not going to find a ton of optimism at all. You're probably mostly going to find more yelling and complaining. So I apologize. Season didn't start yet, but that's the way it rolls around here. So there's that's kind of what we're going to focus on today. We're going to, going to focus on the season, uh, the roster, uh, the open competition and training camp that didn't really exist as we expected. Uh, we're going to touch on that. Yeah, I don't know. Have try to have some fun, and maybe we'll get a few uh, Joker references in because we enjoyed doing that for the podcast. <laughs> kind of put us in a little bit of a better mood, uh, but they they were way too real, and Anthony does his voice way too real too. So that made funnier. I don't know what was scarier, <laughs> how real they were, or how good Anthony was at doing the voice. <laughs> it was pretty close. It was very close. Uh, so where do we where do where do we want to start? Do we? I mean, do we? We got us. I guess I. Yeah, Should we take a at, trip down memory lane? I'm already. I don't even know. I mean, yeah. I mean, let's let's do that, right? <laughs> Let, let's kind of let's let's kind of talk this through. So let let's let's. Hey, I'm gonna go a Joker line. Let let's wind the clock back here a few months. Um, in June, we all sat here and thought, well, there's no way they're gonna rent the entire roster. You know, Elliot Freeman's had roster surgery, and so on and so on. And wrist lines probably gonna get traded. And Vlad Zaboka, they're going to send back to Europe for the KHL and Scandella. And I don't know, maybe they'll somehow figure something with the postal. They're not going to retain everybody like Gergensen's. And they're going to do some new things, whatever. Draft comes and goes. They get Dylan Cousins. They don't do anything with that extra first-round pick, and they get Ryan Johnson. No moves made. Okay, fine. Then they get Jimmy Vesey. 
and they get, you know, which a lot of us were kind of confused by that, where it doesn't really make a ton of sense because then the Marcus Johansson deal comes a few days later. It was like, yeah, well, you know, it'll work out because I'm sure they have some more deals here. You know, the wrist line and trade, it's still coming. It's still coming. Then you know, Henry Yoki, oh, first the Colin Miller trade happens. They go, oh, great. So that's another sign that Ristolainen is going out the door. Good. Great. Henry Yoki Harwood trade happens next. Nylander. Great trade. Now they have three new right shot defensemen, Brandon Montour, Colin Miller, Henry Yoki Haru. Ristolainen is definitely going. We get to mid-August. I'm actually a little bit worried here. What's going on? Well, there's still some Ristolainen will probably still go. It's weird Vlad Sabokas here, but the probably just bring him into camp. Won't make the team. We'll send him to Europe because that'd be crazy for him to make the team. Then I read an article about how the defense might look worse than it actually could. And then a lot of people said, well, that's crazy. So a month later from the season, things will change. Players will be moved. Let's calm down and relax. Fast forward to opening, opening of training camp. Vlad Sabokas still here. Michael Scandella is still here. Rasmus Line is still here. Heck, guys. Every single player from last year's roster is still here except for Jason Hominville. Every player's back. And they're getting A's on their sweaters. And they're getting A's on the sweaters <laughs> throughout the preseason. <laughs> now, fast forward to two days before the season starts, Ristolainen's in a top four role with Jake McCabe. Thankfully, away from Aspas Dahlin for now. Vlad Saboka <laughs> is my second-line right winger Oh, and by the way, Evan Rodriguez, who they messed around with through arbitration, we're going to get to a little bit, in the summer, appears to be my healthy scratch right now. So that is a timeline of craziness at this summer. There, there's some good things that happened in, this, in the summer that I think are going to be kind of, I don't want to say overlooked, but kind of there's going to be a dark cloud of the failure to subtract anything substantial off this roster. And now we're sitting here with just these dumbfounded look on our faces going, what is going on? Two days before the season starts. I mean, it's, I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to get into the Spoka thing here too. I'll let you guys talk. So my voice that's half gone can kind of rest a little bit. But just going through that timeline, it's, it's insane to think about. If we would have told ourselves in June that this would be the case, I think we all would have said just fire the GM back in June. And who the hell knows who they heard as their next coach? Because this is just this—it's an insanity. Looking at it, it's—it's it's complete insanity. Yeah, I, it almost makes it sound like my fictional idea of Risto to second line right wing might actually <laughs> have been a better solution than this. Uh, yeah, I, I think if if you'd have shown us, like you just said, the, these lines—you know, three four months ago—we'd have collectively just smashed our heads against the table. It, it's it's. The the main thing you get right if you come out and say that you you don't support this because I don't know who could is well this is a new coach maybe he can coach these guys up give them a chance okay you've got a thirty two year old Vlad Sabotka at right wing with Jeff Skinner a man you just paid nine million dollars to score goals I don't mind him with Johansson as his center but you can't have Sabotka on that wing and Ralph Kruger unless he's some kind of mythical wizard. He's not going to magically make Vlad Zabotka productive, at least not to justify a second-line position, right? Number two, Kyle Oposo. Hey, listen to me. There, there are four, five, six guys on this roster who Evan Rodriguez is better than, but to play Kyle Oposo over Evan Rodriguez and then have the gall to come at me and say, well, this is a new coach. Let's see what he can do. Is he giving him rocket skates? Because no amount of coaching can fix the fact that that dude is slower than hell right now. I mean, he's so lost he every... players in those games, he looked way yes. behind the speed. Yes. Look, I, I appreciate optimism. I get that it's an 82-game season. I know that everyone's so sick of this. Believe me, I'm with you. But I, I'm so sorry. This goes beyond drinking a little bit of Kool-Aid for me. I mean, that shit is spiked with some just hallucinogenics if you think that this team looks like a playoff roster right now and it's just so gross you know you've got i know it was kind of listed that way on twitter so i'm not going to put too much stock into it but if jake mccabe and rasmus first line is your first pairing like what what are we what are we doing what are we doing yeah and i'm, I'm going to jump in here so i'm going to i think this is kind of a good time so sorry but i'll give you a moment a second here i, I think this is a good time to put the saboka numbers in there because I, I i think you made the perfect point you 
You put Jeff Skinner with Jack Eichel last year. He scored 40 goals and inflated himself to be a $9 million player. You paid him that. Now he's back here at $9 million for the next eight years. I can understand if you want to try to separate things and you want to put him on his own line. Fine. Put him with, put him with somebody. You want to do Marcus Johansson at center? I think it's a bad idea. He hasn't done it in four years. Whatever. Try it. Fine. Here's where you lose me. You're going to put a guy who statistically was the worst offensive forward in the sport last season on his line. Why would you do that? So now you're going to have Jeff Skinner carry around this anchor on his right wing. You're going to have Marcus Johansson, who hasn't played center in three to four years, carry this anchor on his right wing. Why would you do that? Seriously, like looking at Evolving Wilds, RAPM, he was, I'm not kidding, he was the worst expected goals for per 60 player in the entire league. He was the third worst in their total expected goals plus minus 60 in that metric. Let's go to Money Puck. Let's, his on ice expected goal percentage at five on five, 37%. Worse on the team. Relative expected goal percentage, a negative 12.9%. He was that much worse than his <laughs> teammates. <laughs> what, what are you doing? And you're going to base it off of what? Preseason? Four preseason games. You're going to tell me in four preseason games, you have assessed that the worst forward <laughs> in the league last season off of those four preseason games deserves to be in your top six? And it was an open competition. Yeah, yeah, right. Open competition. <laughs> okay, fine. Let's say he even played good. Fine. You want to say he played good and he earned a roster spot? I don't like it. Whatever, fine. But in what world does it make sense that, you, that he gets to get promoted? To the top six. <laughs> what? Like, are what are you, how? And speaking of open competition, fine. Open competition, okay, fine. Where is Curtis Lazar? Where is Tage Thompson? Because they were two of the best forwards in training camp. Why isn't John Gilmore playing above Marco Scandella? Because he definitely outplayed Scandella, who's probably the worst defenseman on the entire roster. Oh, and by the way, Evan Rodriguez, who had a quote-unquote bad camp last season and still somehow managed to be one of the Sabres statistically best impact forwards. Is going to be a healthy scratch over Kyle Loposo, who has cement in his skates and was arguably the worst forward in, in preseason. But yes, continue to tell me how there was open competition. And Jason Battle continued to tell me how you were going to play younger players if they deserved it over your veterans, because that was never the case. I never bought it from the beginning, and, I, and this just proves it. And it's, it's utterly ridiculous that this is going to happen. And I don't... Like, forget even the Rodriguez part. Like, you're going to play Gergensen's over him. You're going to play a postal over him. Just, I, I don't understand. Just look at, I mean, I, <laughs> this alone for the season started has lost any faith in my ability to trust that Botterill has any competent sense of player evaluation. He messed around with Rodriguez with this arbitration thing. He didn't even ask that much when we saw it. We all figured, like, well, that's reasonable. What's taking, what is difficult here? Nope, goes to arbitration, gets a one-year deal. Boom, there he is, healthy scratch on night one. He did it last year, he scratched him. He didn't respect him last year. The year before that, he sent him to Rochester. And here he is again, being healthy scratch on night one. It's just, I, I don't understand it. And then to just, again, Saboka, you keep going back to it, just on what world does it make sense? And then like the, the line construction, like you're going to put Jimmy VC, who is one of the worst defensive forwards, with Casey Middlestad, who isn't a great defensive player. And then Connor Sheary, who's coming off an injury, but I don't know, he's an okay defensive player. So maybe you're going to sell him offensively, but like, what, why don't you, it's just, it's just, it's such an easier way to do this and construct these lines that I don't know. It's, it's frustrating. And, and I'll give Bill the mic in a second, just to say one more thing, like about the people that say to give this coach and give this GM, a ch- like just give him a chance, see how things go. They lost that. Like there is, there is no more leeway. There's no more freedom. Like I, I understand it's a new coach, but like I, what, what am I supposed to believe in the last two years of Jason Botterill that he has somehow has some magic in him? Like there, there's something here that I'm missing. I don't know anything about Ralph Kruger. He could be a genius. He could be Housley 2.0. I mean, look at the last few coaches that have been hired here. Again, am I supposed to believe that 
this guy is some ultimate coach him up is going to fix Chris Lennon, fix Scandella, fix Saboka. Like, come on. The guy's 32 years old in, in, in Saboka. Like, what are you expecting? If anything, he's not going to get better. He's going to get worse. I mean, I don't know how you can get worse than being the worst forward in hockey <laughs> last year, but it's just, it's, it's mind-blowing to me. And I, I just had to get that off my chest because it was eating at me to stare at these numbers. So, sorry, I did not let you get in here for a couple minutes, Bill, but you can go ahead now. No, it's totally fine. I mean, I guess I've kind of just been sitting here waiting and scrolling that hoping something else is going to happen here before we kind of get to that end or the first game here. But I mean, it's just <clears throat> to both of your points, it's it's almost like did Kruger just literally not watch hockey for the last five years. <laughs> right. I, I, I mean, I just I don't understand. Like like you guys have been saying, like, how do you get to this as your opening night roster? Like I kind of reiterating, like I can understand like, Hey, you know, it's a new coach to see what he's got. But I, I mean, you make that argument with guys like Tage Thompson in the lineup or Gilmore, or mm-hmm. I mean, just a- any of those younger guys that, that really haven't seen the NHL. I, I think all of us, or even are, like Jimmy VC, fine. I'll buy it. Maybe he has something with VC. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like kind of like any of those younger guys, if, if you throw them into the lineup, then maybe you can make that argument, but I don't, you're, you pretty much are throwing the exact same roster on the ice as last year and saying, all right, new coach, do do better. And I just, and the other, you know, the other thing that really gets me too is, I mean, we, we know how both of you guys are, you know, deep into the analytics stuff and, and Kruger was supposed to be coming over from Southampton, bringing all this analytics and all this stuff. Like, how do you even sniff any of those <laughs> analytic charts and get to this lineup? Yeah. I, and don't get me wrong, right before we did this podcast, you guys brought up a good idea. So I threw this this lineup into uh, Sean Tierney's World Lineup Creator. Let's just say the uh, approximate standings and points, it's not nice, but it's nice. 69 points, guys. <laughs> like, holy shit. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I just, I, I get there's some injuries on defense, but that's not helping. Like, when you're throwing some of these guys in. Well, uh, wait till Montour comes back. Cause I guarantee you, Yoki Haro's going out the door. Uh, I know. Oh. And Anthony, you had that tweet today about Pilot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or was it yesterday? I'm, it was yesterday, but yes. Points all these days now are just like, it's just like one, <laughs> one bad, massive hellscape. Yeah. Like we've been waiting and waiting. Okay. When's the next shooter drop? When's the next guy going to go? Like Chad said, and he broke it down in the beginning here. Like we've just been waiting for that next shooter drop, that bad player to leave the team or just find a way to put your best players on the ice. And I mean, like you guys have said, that's calling bullshit. Like there's no open competition. You don't get to this lineup with, I just, it's frustrating. And I, you never know because games haven't been played yet, but I just don't see any way. And it's funny because last three years, I think Chad and I have actually been talking this team up going into the season, probably more than we should have, like having, having more hope. And uh, finally, what is this now? Season four, Chad? Yeah. Three. we, I just, we can't, <laughs> we can't do it anymore. You know, I, like, how are you throwing all these guys back in the lineup and expecting something different to happen? You said it, you can, you can put Claude Julian or Barry Trotz on this team and maybe you're getting to 85. They wouldn't have made those dumb lines though. <laughs> I mean, fair enough, but no, no, I get your point. It's just, you got to wonder like the psyche of the entire organization that just seems to love a player like Marco Scandella and, just tolerate at best a player like Evan Rodriguez. Like where, where, where are like where's the mindset there? There's nothing there. Yeah, I mean, even if I look at Saboka's, like I went and I mean it's preseason, so I don't put a lot of these analytic underlying numbers. But just for kicks, Come on, man. I mean, he not to cut you, he just doesn't even pass the eye test. Like you know, throw numbers. He's terrible. He is. I mean, his. his <laughs> I mean, what, you you broke down the video of Scandella. Yes the backhand pass to behind the net and he just yeah. fucking throws it off the glass. Yep. All right. Thanks Gandela. Can't wait for that. 82 more games of this. And that was, <laughs> that was like five minutes after he almost gave away a two on one, the blue line. Cause he tried something crazy and like lost the puck. I, I don't, I don't even know. And then like I was saying, getting back to get back to Saboka, like maybe I, I don't even know what he did in the preseason. That was so good. Like I, he wasn't a mess. Like, okay, congratulations. Like he weren't terrible, I guess. But like I said, even his numbers, his f- scoring chances, 42%. Expected goals four percentage forty one percent goals for twenty five percent like so he's still on the ice for a whole bunch of goals against 
He's not generating any offense still, and he's not creating any scoring chances. And then now you're going to put that with Jeff Skinner and Marcus Johansson. Like, what? Why? What? What? And you could like, okay, you want to say one thing? Like, he, oh, he's good at faceoff. Sure. Okay. Fine. He's playing right wing. <laughs> he's not even taking faceoffs. I mean, he's he might not take, even he that might, good at him. <laughs> he might take a few, like if like depending on what side of the ice it's on. But like, come on, Jeff Skinner took a bunch of faceoffs last with Eichel. Like, can he just do that with Johansson and somebody else can play like right wing? Like, it's. I mean, it, if you're going to do. Skinner, Johansson, Rodriguez, that's a, that's a perfectly fine line. That makes a ton of sense. But no, you're, you're going to put Saboka there. And then, you know, if you listen to Mike Shope's rant today, or I think it was even Bulldog and WGR to give him some pull and some credit here. Like, what happens, what happens when that doesn't work? I can tell you what's going to happen. Jeff Skinner is going to go back up on the top line. We're going to have Skinner, Eichel, Reinhardt again. And then yeah. Olofsson's going to go who knows somewhere here. And then from there on out, it did juggle contest uh, uh, after that top line. And just, we're getting right back to where we were last year. And it's, and again, I, hockey is a crazy game. You never know. I will say that now there's some bounces. There's, you never know what can happen. So I'll, I'll put that uh, out there. In the beginning of the season. Right. Just like last year, you never know. So crazy things have happened. All I know of Vlad Spoga could score four points on Thursday. You never know. <laughs> but even if he does that, I'm still going to tell you this is a terrible idea to have him there. Like, it's it's just, I, I don't know. And again, I, I don't want to come down too hard on Kruger because he hasn't even coached a game yet. And like, so I'm, I'm not going to put all this on him. Um, more of my frustration and bashing here is at the feet of Jason Bottrell because these are the players that you gave this coach. And that's simple as that. You could have taken these players away. It's the same thing with Fahalzi last year. You could have taken these pets away, sent them down, called up other players. He did do that in times, and Halsey still didn't play him, but I, I don't know. There's ways a general manager that you can get around certain players being in your lineup is by moving them off your roster, and he didn't move one single player off his roster, and yet he decided to put Vladimir Saboka on his roster as opposed to bringing back someone like Jason Pominville who could have played that spot for a much cheaper salary and I mean, I, I understand you probably can't trade Saboka, but you could have waved him something. Like he didn't even wave anybody. I, I guess he waved Scott Wilson. Like awesome, mm-hmm. cool, right? Like, yeah. I mean, oh god, it's just like, <laughs> could you just have gotten rid of one person, one, just one? And I love the people who will tell you too. Like, well, that's the you know that's not how NHL bookkeeping works. Oh, really? Because nobody told Montreal how it works. Nobody right. told Mark Bergevin what the rules are. Yeah, he just waived eight million dollars in bad con in you know negative assets. He and just he did Suzuki it. and figure out the other kid who they gave chances to. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's crazy how bad teams stay bad for some reason. But yeah, no, we're just playing by the rules, guys. We're gonna punt to next season. We're gonna waste a year of Eichel's prime, Reinhardt's prime, and the another end year of Dalian's entry level contract. Yeah, because because who needs cost controlled long term deals? Because Evan Rodriguez, we only need him on a one year deal. Because cost controlled depth is overrated. It there is not, and I'm gonna tell you something. I know he made a couple of nice moves. I'm not gonna say Jason Bowderell was a complete disaster. Well, maybe I will, but <laughs> <laughs> you know the Miller trade, great. Yoki Haru trade, great. You know what Johansson I mean? Signing fine. Johansson signing's fine, right? He's trade, eh, but I'm not gonna be upset about it, right? It's what he didn't do. Like you right. just said, you needed to unload something. And the whole time, you know, the whole offseason, everyone pretty much was at a consensus, like, well, they can't bring all these guys in. Like, what are you gonna do? Well, this is what they're gonna do, and it's horrible. Yeah, and, and so two things. Go ahead real quick. So, number one, I, I think we and we talked about this before the draft even happened. <clears throat> kind of what Bottrell needed this offseason <laughs> was a Tim Murray offseason. And it kind of just never <laughs> happened. You know what I mean? Like we talked about mm-hmm. getting rid of two of the three first round picks. Like this is the time to go. And again, like you, Anthony's just laying out. It feels like you're just oh, <laughs> waiting for next year. Well, I've got cap space next year. Probably have another top 10 pick and then hopefully figure it out. But I, I think the other problem for me is, and, and Chad, you're right. We, we don't know what Kruger is yet. And it's, it's unfair to, kind of put anything on him until you see live games, but it still really bothers me. And it was the same with Housley. Yes. Bottrell should know better. He should get these guys off the roster. But when you're saying that about a coach, it bothers me even more. Like your coach should be even better. It should know enough 
that even if my GM can't get these crappy players on the roster, I don't put them on the second line. Like, <laughs> I don't, you know, like, I, I just, I don't understand. Like, I just need someone in this organization that I can, like, trust at this point, And I haven't had it for years. It's, no, and, it's, and I think, you know, like we mentioned too, like, this is supposed to be a guy who maybe had some sort of numbers background. Like, that's oh, that's all out the window for me now because I don't think he's believing in any of that. Or nobody in that organization is listening to the numbers that are being given. Or it's backwards where they're having the numbers people verify what they want to do. Like, I don't, I don't know how you verify Vladimir Zaboka in the top six. I'd love to see that. If Nightingale somehow pulled that off, that's got to be like some sort of – it has to go like in a Hall of Fame somewhere. But like – There's a magician. Yeah, right, yeah. I just – I don't know. And, and, and it, it gets back to, like I said, to kind of wrap this whole thing up here, speaking of the more different stuff and not hashing on this, is it's, I, I don't, at this point, I don't have any faith really left in this general manager, to be honest. Hmm. I, it just, it, we got to this point, like, again, like Anthony said, you made some good moves. I understand that. Congratulations. I'll clap for you. But you didn't finish the job. You didn't do the hard stuff. Like, you, you got the easy stuff. You, you got the easy trade from Vegas. You, you you got the easy you were able to sign Johansson great you got the easy trade with the Rangers because they wanted to dump VC to make some cap space so they could sign Truba like and, and okay you made the Yoki Haru trade and got rid of Nylander okay great fine nice good job but like the difficult stuff you didn't do you re-signed Gergensons you re-signed Gergensons you re-signed you qualified so everybody you brought everybody back you messed around with Rodriguez because you don't think he's that good for some reason which you is pretty evident back to Reinhardt. right. And then the Reinhardt deal. And that's what I was going to get to next. Like yeah. Reinhardt is going to be a free agent next summer. Are, are we sure that he thinks that Reinhardt is going to be is a seven and a half million dollar forward? Or is he going to think, no way I got a ton of contracts coming up, a ton of money coming up. I'm just going to trade him next summer. Like, Oh my God. I, I, honestly, I, I don't, that wouldn't put that past him at all. And that's. He, he signed Skinner at least. Right. Right. I mean, <clears> yeah. I think he, Reinhardt gets a contract, but. Yeah. You would hope, but again, that's, I mean. What did Kyle Connors got? What seven point one? Uh, I think so. Yeah, that sounds about right. Seven point one, I think. It's seven point one four, I think. Yeah, so Reinhardt's probably up and around there. Right, and it's I don't. And then you're going to put Reinhardt with Eichel and Olofsson. He's going to score a ton of points, and you're going to put him back in front of the net on the power play. He's going to score. He's going to score like 70, 75 points in a contract year. That's going to cost you. And I just I don't I don't know. I don't have faith for this 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 general manager to do these things. And just, there's so many things that I've heard him say he's going to do. He's going to do open competition. There was stuff last year, like giving guys chances. And then it's just, no, just, we're not going to get our chances. We're going to shove Tate Thompson down your throat when he's clearly not NHL ready. And then we're going to send him back with like six games left. And then this year, oh my gosh, I got to let's get Vlad Savoka back in the top six. Maybe I can salvage something from that O'Reilly trade that was like Still a mess. Like that, that's what. It, that's oh, what it by the way, now that Thompson looks ready, I'm scratching him or I'm right. sending him down. Yeah. Right now that Thompson has a, had a good preseason, looked good, put weight on, was using his body, was scoring, was creating offense. Didn't toe drag. Meanwhile, he didn't toe drag. He actually dipped his shoulder, would go to the net, was going to the front of the net. Meanwhile, playing with Vladimir Saboka most of the time. By the way, and he goes back. Curtis Lazar looked better than Gergensen's. He goes back. Gilmore, thank goodness, made the team, but he's going to sit in the press box until, I don't know, until Montour comes back, and then either him or Yogi Haru are going down. So it's, I don't know, it's it's crazy, and it's frustrating because really, like, coming, like thinking about this podcast the few days before this, like I, I wanted to try to bring some optimism in, some, and I'm still going to try in a little bit here, but I just, I wanted to have a, some sort of better approach coming into this season and try to put some rosiness to it. Just, just today's actions just took the wind right out of me, and, and it's frustrating for the season to started that I'm already aggravated. Yeah, and before we move off this point, I just wanted to bring up one thing that Kevin said on Twitter that I thought was right, and it, it really ties into what we're our, our kind of whole theme here. <clears throat> You've got Jack Eichel with two restricted free agents, whose stats he is going to inevitably bump up, yeah. and you got. Jeff Skinner, who is a you know uh, an expensive but cost-controlled asset in the sense that his numbers lock down with a guy in Johansson who we don't know what he is at center, and and I think you know he he might compliment well, and Vlad Saboka. They they've got it backwards. You know what I mean? That they're they're boosting these RFA values and they're they're guaranteed contracts. They're actually going to make those guys less productive. It, it just 
it's not only analytically, even from a bookkeeping standpoint, none of it makes a shred of sense. Yeah, it's, yes. I, just, I, I don't even like. I'm trying to think of words. It's just, it's. I don't know. I, I mean, if it works, great. Congratulations, <laughs> they beat the numbers somehow. Like, I don't. I'm just sitting here today. Does it look? <laughs> I mean, they're going into Pittsburgh on Thursday, where they have historically never had success. Besides last season, they won a game. I think when they're on a 10-game winning streak. But besides that, like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm supposed to believe that Jeff Skinner, Johansson, and Saboka are, are going to hold their weight against the Melkin line? <laughs> I, I, no. <laughs> I don't buy that at all. Like, it's, Can you imagine if it's a 4 nothing loss? Like, they, they're going to get booed at the home opener, and that's just going to be, like, rock bottom for me. Yeah. And, and then again, if they, they lose 4 nothing, they're going to juggle things, and it's going to look a lot like last season. That's going to be the frustrating part that – Someone on Twitter said these look like housely lines. I said, no, they're far worse, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, and that, I think that's the thing for me. It's like you just went through what you went through last season with the 10 game win streak and then the epic collapse to basically miss on a 90% chance to make the playoffs. Didn't do anything at the end of the season to try and figure out what you got for next season. And then you don't do anything off all off season and basically roll the same team back and go. Yeah, maybe we get another 10-game win streak and hope we don't have an epic collapse this time. But yeah. to your point, it's worse lines. Right. But let's, mm-hmm. let's throw Olofsson in there, and we don't know what he is. But I mean, that'll be better. Colin Miller, you know, we'll put him. Maybe he'll be better, so we'll put him in there. Yoki Haru, I'm going to put with Scandella. So at least when Yoki Haru looks bad playing with Scandella, I have an excuse to say he's not ready yet, and I can send him down when Montour comes back. Again, this this is all what it comes off to me looking at this. It sounds like sabotage, right? Um, okay, what's it, you know what? What are the odds? And I I'd say they're they're better than fifty percent. That pilot and Montour, or I'm sorry, pilot and Yokiharu are both in Rochester at the same time at some point this season. I think it'll be early. Actually, they're pretty high. Early in the season, probably very high. Yeah, they'll yeah. say they'll say pilot needs time to recover from the shoulder injury, which is fair. Yeah. Fine, I'll give you that. But once Montour is ready, although you know, I think Kruger said like he's not ready for a couple of weeks still, which. I thought it was mid October. Now it sounds like the end of October, early November, but that's just the Sabres injury staff, how they do their hmm. stuff. You know. <laughs> uh, so day to day, see you next month. Right. Exactly. See you in three months. Like, okay. Like, I don't, I mean, yeah. And, and again, he like, didn't they say like pilot wouldn't be on the ice until mid October yet. I have pictures of him skating with the Emmerichs today. Like what the hell is going on here? Like, I, I I don't know. And Bogosian, I don't know. He's on Robota Island, basically, they said, because he's far away because he had setbacks, which just means I doubt we see him all season long. But I, I don't know. It, 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 there's, so, there's so many players. Just, just, again, so many players. It's the same thing as last season. They came into camp with so many defensemen. And we're like, well, they have to do something. And again, they've done nothing. So here we are. This is the roster you have. And buckle up. We're going to try to make this work, basically, is how it's going to go. Do I look like a guy with a plan? <laughs> <laughs> Had to throw one in. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good transition here because we are going to get our break here. We got about two minutes in, so we're going to left for the kind of cut me off here. So we're going to get into our first break. And then after that, I promise we're going to come back to some optimism because we were a little bit we were a little bit negative here in the first half of this podcast. So I'm going to try to pull some optimism out here, talk about some things. I guess that means we won't talk about the goalies who are not going to be good. So we'll just kind of skip past <laughs> them. Uh, and we'll try to focus on some optimistic <laughs> stuff and some more season outlook things that we could kind of go through. Uh, I'm also, Bill and Anthony are finding out now. I'm also going to ask each of them to make one or two bold predictions on the season. And oh, we'll kind of talk about that and have a little fun. So, Sabres only? or uh, I don't know. I guess you guys can decide. I don't really care at this point. I'll do Sabres uh, and then I'll do a, a that worked. Yeah. One Sabres, one and one league one. I like that. That's good. That's good, Bill. Good thinking. All right. So we'll be back in 30 seconds after the break. Stay tuned for some more fun when we get back. This is Beyond the Blade on the SB Nation Podcast Network. All right, welcome back to Beyond the Blade. So, um, Anthony's suggestion for that song to uh, play us back in. So, you guys can think Anthony. I didn't put a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't put a poll up, so I let you guys down. But Anthony kind of came through with a clutch song to uh, sum up our first half of the podcast, at least. So, 
in the second half here, my voice really is starting to go. So I'm going to let Anthony Bill do more talking. I'm going to kind of try to direct the conversation since they made me yell so early in. But uh, so let's, like I said, let, let's try to make you so Boca made you. <laughs> well, and it's, I, I meant the Sabres by they, not you guys. Um, so let, like I said, let, let's try to find some optimism here heading into the season. So where there's always ways that teams that aren't expected to do well, do well. And I think there's, you know, there's, there's possibilities. Like I said, we've said before, earlier in the podcast, hockey's a crazy game. You never know. You get some bounces. You never know. Um, <clears throat> and I, and I think, I think it's a couple of things able to kind of break it down each thing. I, I think your goaltending has to be really good. I think you have to get a couple players to have career years. I think your house teams have, has to be really good. And then I think your Rasmus Dahlin has to take a massive jump, which might be asking a lot from a guy who played extremely well in his first year. So I, I guess the kind of where I want to focus this down is maybe like, all right, so let's, let's do it this way. So who do you guys think? I'll let Anthony go first here. Who do you think, which forward do you think is kind of, besides Skinner, besides Eichel, we'll say, which forward do you think has to have the biggest year besides those main guys? I'll even say exclude Reiner because you know he's probably have a big year. So besides those main three, the big three, which forward do you think needs to have a big year if they're realistically going to make some kind of crazy jump? Oh, man. I mean, Casey Middlestat's obviously the first one that comes to mind. I know he's not currently the second-line center, but, I mean, he's he's in year two. He needs to see a significant leap just because, you know, you need to see it from him in the second full season. Uh, if they're dedicated to the idea of – mojo in the middle you know in that second line the whole season then you know you can make an argument for him if you're looking at it from a career standpoint you can make the argument for shiri because he's coming into a contract year but if we're talking about strictly the saber success i think middle stats got to make that big jump so here's a question i'm gonna bill i'll direct the question to you i guess i'm gonna, I'm gonna jump around a little bit here. so i'm gonna try to direct the conversation so kind of where we'll go so i'm gonna jump around a little bit but in the slack trailer at the end of this <laughs> in the <laughs> group that we're in, um, there was a question brought up. I think it was a really good question regarding Connor Sherry, who Anthony just brought up. So let's say Sherry has run, I think it was 14 or 15 goals. Uh, I think it was Zach who brought this up by the deadline, but the Sabres aren't good. Do you try to resign, resign Sherry, who's 27 years old, or are you looking to trade him at the deadline? Sabres aren't good. 14 are not good. Goals at the and he has 14 goals at the deadline, so he's on pace for a career year scoring. Um, I think I think you shop him. I think because we kind of talked about it at the beginning of the season, I kind of dropped Sherry as a candidate to try and sign early. Like it yep, never would happen. Yep. But uh, if you believe that Sherry is going to, at the time, we thought he'd be maybe on the first line uh, with Skinner and Eichel. If you're going to kind of give him that role, I think you try to sign him early and hope to there's your value contract for a first-line winger. Um, but I, I think if if you're going to have Shiri on the third line with VC and Middlestad and he has a good year and the Sabres just still aren't good, uh, I, I think you're at that point trying to recoup assets and you're not going to look to sign a you know 27-year-old third-line guy who you can probably just – I mean, who can we throw up there next year? You know, Bruce right. or whoever, you know, CJ Smith, if you wanted, I, I know we said he's probably on his way out, but I, my point is you can probably just throw another guy up there and he's going to do probably what Connor Sheary can do for you uh, at a cheaper cost. So if you can get an asset at the deadline for him, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I like Bill's idea. It was actually during the hundredth episode, Bill brought this up, uh, you know, Sheary being a candidate for, for a longer term extension mm-hmm. because you know, doing it this summer, he would potentially be a cost-controlled, longer-term asset. However, I, I think in that position, I would agree where team's still not good. You can get an asset, and and if the summer of 2020 really is that big, you know, I, I don't know, off-season for the Sabres, you can use that asset to try and, you know what I mean, every year, I mean, look at Colin Miller is a great example. Every year, talented guys go for mid-round picks, so you can get a third or hell even a second rounder for Shiri at the deadline do it what about jimmy vc yes. similar question wow. yes because if he's if he's worth trading at the deadline that means he's going to want a bigger contract and i'm going to guess his underlying numbers are still going to be pretty ugly uh so yeah i i would i would do the exact same thing there as well 
and you'll get more for him because he's a goal scorer. That's a good point. I, I think on VC, I mean, VC is the thing that I, it would be great if he has a career year, but and we talked about that. You know, it's a little bit scary that what that might signal for the mm-hmm. offseason because you don't want to be that team that hands out that big contract of one year. You know, it's you've seen that movie before, not just with the Sabres, but other teams too. So it's you're just not in a position to do that either. No, well, like no, you're not a good team to just be like, all right, this team worked, we made the playoffs, let's keep them together. That's right. Right. I mean, the other thing I get to too, when I think about this stuff with Sherry and even VC is. You know, what do they have right now? They have like eight players under contract next year or something like that. I mean, they do have to feel the roster at some point. Like, mm-hmm. And they're not. Who are they graduating next year? Rusalainen, Asplin. Any, am I missing anybody? Mm-hmm. Cousins, Borgen, I guess. Maybe. Cousins. Cousin, yeah, yeah, Cousins would be. Cousins, Borgen, maybe. But beyond that, I mean, like everybody else is here then. So it's – I mean, again, and, and in that eight contracts, I mean, there's restricted free agents that are encountered for. So, you know, it starts to add up. but. That's one of the things when I think particular in Sherry, where I wonder if he does have a good season, seeing that Bottle acquired him and is familiar with him, I wonder if he would go the approach to keep him. But um That wouldn't surprise me. No, it wouldn't. But again, that's kind of going against what we think is the best for the team. Well, exactly. That's that's the whole part of it too. So Okay. So that was a good question. I thought of it when Anthony mentioned uh mentioned Sherry, I kind of that popped in my head, so I wanted to bring that up. So kind of getting back to middle stat, um, where I think this, I think that's kind of maybe a good point to focus on. Where it's, he's been a guy who's been hammered on. I guess you could say in a way in the preseason. Mm-hmm. You know, he again he didn't play his best hockey, but at the same time, I don't think he was as bad as people thought he was or said he was. He didn't have the best line mates. I mean, we saw him with C.J. Smith and Oposo one night, and I forgot who he was with recently. But again, he was with the best line mates. So it, it's interesting. Middlestad's an interesting player this year. It's you know he's going to be that ten to ten. Dot two free agent, kind of like uh, Brock Besser this year, where he doesn't have any arbitration rights. Uh, nobody can give him an offer sheet, and basically the Sabres have like full leverage over any contract negotiation because he has literally no rights. So it's interesting to kind of see how that's going to go and kind of how this season is going to play into that. Um, you know, we thought there was a possibility he played with Reinhardt and maybe Reinhardt would inflate his numbers, but as of now, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So it's he's a guy I think we all agree on ability i think you said easy answer and i think you had a lot of the same thing that if they're gonna offensively have some sort of big jump that middle stats gonna be a huge part of it yeah you have no depth scoring list here so if middle stats taking a big jump ideally he's bringing vc and sherry with him offensively right uh which means you're getting secondary scoring because you know you're getting what you're getting out of michael and reinhardt they're on a line together um at least a point per game so the question is going to be, can you find some secondary scoring and the defense not have as many backdoor wide open slam dunks as last year? And can the goalies put up average numbers? I mean, then maybe you find yourself in some kind of race, but it's at some point you're asking quite a bit. Yeah. And another player that I think is, I think there's actually two more players, but there's one more player I'm going to go to first that I think is interesting and maybe overlooked in this is I think Marcus Johansson. You know, he's a guy who really, last year, he had 30 points between New Jersey and Boston. He had 14 points in 29 games uh, with New Jersey in 2017-18. 58 points with Washington, 46, 47, 44. So really, career-ly, he's a low 40s kind of point player. But, I mean, last year, he didn't really get that out of Boston, New Jersey. So it's... It's interesting to kind of think, is he going to get back to being that 40-point player, which I think you need him to be that 40-plus-point player to have some sort of hope in being a good team this year. But it gets, again, he's playing a center position. He hasn't played in a while, so how much is that going to affect him? I think there's just a lot of there's a lot of interest for me in Johansson that I think a lot of people don't focus on because uh, people just assume, well, he's going to be fine, where, well, I don't know. Like, are you going to get the 30-point player or are you going to get the 40-point player? You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, that's exactly why, you know, if, if they're going to slot him into that second-line center role, he, he needs to come up big. I mean, look at what the Sabres did last year where your second-line center was a 30-point player. I know Middlestat had 25 or whatever, 26, whatever it was, but yeah. you get the idea. I mean, if you're not getting that type of production from your second-line center, what, what are you even doing? Well, the weird thing – not the weird thing, but the thing is going to be watched for is going to be the chemistry between them. Yeah. Because if he's able to do what – 
at least close to what Eichel was able to do with Skinner. Like, they'll be fine together. Uh, I don't imagine Savoka staying on that line for very long. So depending on whoever it comes up to, the second line will probably be fine. It's it's going to be going right back to pretty much brought back the same six guys in the bottom six. How do you expect to get some actual depth scoring? And that's going to be your problem. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's – I assume at some point Rodriguez is going to hopefully slot into this lineup, but it's where? Who comes out? Oposo, Jurgensen, Saboka? Like where where does he go? Is that anything? Then you can get into like he's another guy that – if he's given the opportunity in the right position, the right role, I think he could have a good season too. Cause he really, he hasn't gotten that opportunity in two years now. And here we are again, you know, as you mentioned with, with a healthy scratch upcoming, it looks like for him. So it's. You ready for this real quick? Go ahead. Taking out Saboka for Rodriguez goes from 69 point team to 75. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. It's but just that one move. But, but Sabres Twitter told me he's only a fourth line player on a good team. So. That's clearly not right. Oh, my God. Six-point difference. Three wins just by a move that should be. And, and I bet if you, like, finagle the lines a little bit, too, you could even get, like, a better. I'm sure you could get up in the 80s, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. I mean, it's, yeah. Right? So, and, and then again, the other guy is, is Olofsson, right? I mean, it's. Oh, well, yeah. Can, is he, he, he going to score a 1,000 goals with like goal? Or, you know, is, I mean, it looks like in the preseason if you watch that. I mean, so it's. Mm. I mean, he's an interesting. He's a fun player, right? So, I mean, if I look at some optimism, something to watch this season, I, I think it's Victor Olsson. He looks like a fun player, a late round pick that's finally looks like it's going to hit here, and he's going to be given an opportunity to play in a top line in the top power play unit, and that shot every time he takes it, just I feel like it makes some sort of noise. Like just it's <laughs> just it's crazy how quickly just it gets off a stick and it's in the net, and it's so. He'll be a fun player, but again, I, I think that's that's a guy you're going to need to get you around. What? What's fair? Twenty. F- I'm trying. Okay. Let's do it this way. What is a realistic expectation for Olsen? Is it is it twenty goals? And if he beats that, great. Is is that fair? Or is it need to be lower for like his expectation? I think if you throw, I don't know. Should I say this? Hmm. Say it. I think if you, well, if I think if you throw the draft pick position out the window, and you just take the skill and kind of what we've seen to this point, I mean, Skinner's obviously more of a veteran and, and knows how to score in this league. So I'm not going to say 40, but I mean, can he get to 30? You're on one of the best centers in the NHL's line and your, and your job and is Reinhardt to score. Too. Right. You got two playmakers, two of the best playmakers setting you up and you're basically being put on this line to just go score goals, which is what you're good at. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of looking if this team's going to do anything and goals, you should give me 30. I would think. Especially yeah, if he's he, getting the power play minutes too. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. If he if he's still if he stays on that first power play unit and he stays on the first line for a notable amount of time, more let's say more than half the season, I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation at all. So, I mean, his job is literally just going to be goal score goals. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. and that really is that is it. Just go out there, shoot it, score. Like that's all I want you to do. It should be easy for him because he makes it look pretty easy. So transitioning here to the defense, um, the guy I kind of want to focus on. Well, first off. Rasmus Dahlin is awesome. I think he's going to be fine. He's going to have a good year. So I don't, I don't mean to buzz past Dahlin, but I think we all can maybe what's one of the – besides Eichel being good, I think one of the safe assumptions on this team is Dahlin is also going to be good. Mm-hmm. Kind of I mean, bu- it's going to be the crazy thing. It's not, I don't think it's going to happen this year, but I think with Dahlin you're going to get to a point where you can have kind of a middle-of-the-road team like this. And he has like a Carlson year when he took him to the Ottawa to way past where they should have even been. Yeah, uh, I think he can eventually get to that point. I just don't think it's going to be this year. No, I, I think asking a Nigel to do that might be a lot. But I agree. I, I think that you know, a year or two, I, I think for sure he can be that type of player. But the I guy I was... <laughs> <laughs> He's just so good. <laughs> he really is. He really is. And we'll stay with him in a way because the guy I want to talk about that is really, I mean, all off season before it actually happened. You know, you heard me say Colin Miller, Colin Miller, Colin Miller. They got him and happened. I always felt that he made the most sense to play with Dalene, even though he played third pair of minutes with Vegas and he crushed those minutes. And maybe he was asking a lot for him to go to first pair, but that duo together looked really nice. And I am a big fan of what Kamala looked like in the preseason. I thought he moved the puck well. He moved he just moved well in general. So I am very curious to see how that Dalene Miller pairing goes for a hard one to stay together here in the beginning. 
Yeah, I mean, a- analytically, I think when Miller was acquired, that was kind of the mm, default people went with. Like, well, yeah, he kind of complements uh, Darlene really nicely. I think he's kind of the ideal partner for him. Um, under career, though, I have, I have a sneaking suspicion that the D pairings are going to change a whole lot. I mean, the weird thing is we get to this point again. It's kind of like we were talking about last year. How are they going to keep all these D? They can't keep them around. And then guys just like, kept getting hurt. And all of a sudden now, Kendall is playing 70 games. I mean, I don't expect that to be the case again. But it's just it's weird that we've now started off at that point again to start the season. I mean, this is simple. This is this is simple here. I mean, look at this. Let's just imagine this. <laughs> 26 and 33 stay together. So Dowling and Miller stay together. That's your top pair. Okay. McCabe, second pair. Pull out Ristolainen. Put Montour there. And your third pair, pull out Scandella. Put Pilot there. Is that not a vastly improved defense? Mm-hmm. Dowling, Miller, McCabe, Montour, Pilot, Yoki Haru. Yeah, I'm when healthy, if they dress all the right guys, I, I give that's one of the areas I'll give Botterill a great deal of credit. I mean, that defense is revamped and it looks really, really good. If right. if the right players are playing, right? I mean, that is a defense of extremely, extremely good puck moving defensemen. Mm-hmm. Montour, who has some deficiencies defensively, you're going to pair with your best defensive defender in McCabe, so that makes sense. And then you're going to have Pilot, who's you know, in a way, that comfortable kind of, I guess you could say, more of a stay home defender, sort of, but he moves the puck while he's on a pretty up in the play. And maybe that allows Yoki Haru to kind of get you know, the opportunity for him to jump up in the play more, too. So, you know, and then and then you're going to have Dalina Miller, who I, I think complements each other pretty well up top. So it's, yeah, I mean, if that happens, and hopefully it doesn't happen in game 75, it opens in game like 25 or something at the very worst. Uh, and you're right. I, I would give Bottle a lot of credit for revamping that defense and making the moves to make sure that defense actually sees the light of day at some point. I mean, even for now, if you want. Yeah. I mean, take, I, don't, I think if you just take Scandella out and put Gilmore with Noki Haro, even with Ristlein in there, I think even that I feel a little bit better. Just, I, I just, Yoki Haru and Scandella, just, I'm, I'm afraid what Scandella is going to do to him. I really am. It's, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to get sheltered minutes and whatever, fine. Just still, I mean, you're asking a guy. I mean, I, again, I know he played top pair minutes in Chicago last year, but it's just a lot to ask, a lot, a lot to ask for him. And it doesn't, it's something that I think Bill and I have talked about a lot, a lot in the last few years. It's going to kind of rings true. It's putting players in the best case scenario for success. And I'm not sure putting Scandella or putting Yokohara with Scandella really does that for him. That's a crazy thing. Like, he he made some good moves, and then basically with the Lions, he's just going to, like, it's going to be a wash. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I mean, in a way, yeah. So the last area that I think we could touch on, uh, even though I said I wouldn't bring up the goaltenders, but I will in a way. <laughs> um, Car- they, Hutton didn't really have the best preseason. Uh, I will say I liked Allmark in his last game. Um until he let up those that really super soft goal. Uh, I think it was the second Penguins goal. But other than that, I, I think he looked calm in the crease, and that was good to see, but it's the consistency with Allmark. So really, it's it, we've touched on it numerous times uh, over the last couple of weeks to a month, is you can say all these things about all these guys scoring, the defense looking good, the defense improving. If those two goaltenders, or at least one of them, don't take a massive leap in some sort of way, they're not going anywhere. I don't care if Olsen's scoring 25, 30 goals. Like, if you're giving up soft goals that are backbreaking goals continually and not at least giving league average goaltending, just you're, you're going to be in trouble all season long. And it's, you're going to have to outscore opponents. And I don't think this team, this roster is built to do that. No. No, I mean, definitely not. I mean, like I said, we're, we're trying to say positive, so I don't want to get into the two negative Nancy of the right. goaltenders, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't want to make that longer than. Yeah, no, I, I understand. It's, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's, I, I think Hutton is going to start or get more games. Maybe they'll go 50-50. I don't know. Like I said, it's kind of, one we haven't talked about is kind of what is, what is the plan, you know, between those two goaltenders with Kruger? Is he going to go 50-50? Is he going to go favor Allmark? Is he going to favor Hutton? 
And I mean, I, I guess I'll kind of ask you guys, Anthony, we can start with you. What, what would you do? Would you go Hutton more? Would you go 50-50 or would you go Allmark more? Mm, I think you kind of see, like you said, the consistency with Allmark. Uh, you know, give him a stretch here and there and, and see if he can string them together, you know, not back-to-back games, but back-to-back starts. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think that would bode well for him. But I think if, if you're asking me point-blank right now what I would do, just knowing what I know about the two, I don't know, maybe a 50-32 split, Hutton getting 50. I think that's maybe fair, kind of similar to what they had last season. But what about you? Yeah, I, I think that's kind of your game plan going into the season, and then at any point you feel someone's rolling, you roll the hot hand. Right. I just I think – Neither guy is really, again, this year, I don't think either one's really going to you know, grab the starting position by the horns and just run with it for the season. So I think you're you're probably going to end the season with probably close to a 50-50 split. So, I mean, you're just hoping that both aren't not feeling it at the same time, which kind of happened last year, and that, like, as kind of one's hot streak ends, the other one can step in and at least give you some serviceable games. Uh, until somebody kind of clicks. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think at this point you're really looking for UPL to, to kind of be the answer here. But, I mean, yeah. how far away is he still? Is kind of Especially the with the hip injury, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's tough. It's tough. At least don't it's... fall off trees, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, right. Unless you're Bennington, I guess. <laughs> right. That falls in your lap anyway when I say only cup. But... 20, yeah, 25-year-old rookie trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Hey, you want some good news real quick? Go ahead. NHL 20 season simulation. Jack Eichel, 105 points. There you go. There you go. Can you imagine if he had that season? He ended with like 72 points. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to think about that because that gets into like, maybe we'll say that if they're bad one day, but like that, one of my biggest fears if they're not good, like is, okay, how long until we start hearing the whispers that Eichel isn't happy? Like that's that's just an avenue I don't want to go down. That's I mean we started to hear that. I don't know how true it was. We started to kind of hear that with McDavid last year that he's kind of getting annoyed and frustrated. I don't want to go that route with those eight AHL wingers he has on his team should help. (laughs) (laughs) I mean he's rolling with Zach Cassian again this year. Yeah, I mean really. I mean you feel bad for feel bad for Eichel. I mean God, Connor McDavid, that poor guy, man. Like (laughs) no, jeez. His face has never changed from the exact <laughs> moment uh, the Oilers won the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> His perpetual blank stare into the abyss. That's tough. Edmonton. Edmonton. Sabres West, pretty much. I mean, that's realistically mm-hmm. what they are. That's crazy. Like, you got pieces. It's just like you can't get yourself over the hump. I mean, they do. I mean, they what? You have, if you want to say it, Sabres have Eichel, Dahlin. They have Dreisaitl and McDavid, but they just can't figure it out. I don't know. I don't know how GMs keep getting jobs. Kenny Howell, though, get him, get him in there because he did so well crushing the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> he was a good GM like five years ago, six years ago, though. So that'll work out for them. Only if he uh, finds Detsuk and Zetterberg. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. So and Lindstrom. Let's get to the bullet predictions part because I, I did tease that, so I think we should get to that. So if you're looking up with the idea, I'm going to give you each – one Sabre Bowl prediction, one NHL Bowl prediction. So I'll give you guys more time to think about it. I will go first. Uh, I will pull... Hmm, I want to do this. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pull one of my bold predictions from the piece that I did today, uh, but I'm going to up it a little bit. So in my what I wrote, I had Reinhardt scoring at least 75 points. I'm going to up it, and I'm going to say Sam Reinhardt scores at least 80 points this year. Damn. Mm. So that's what I'm going to go with. And then my league bold prediction, I'm going to go with, I think that, mm, oh, there's two on fighting machine right now. Um, I'll go this one. I think that the Carolina Hurricanes represent the Eastern Conference and the Stanley Cup. That's my... That's yeah, my political league. darlings. Yeah. I, I just, they did some really good things this season. Though. They did. They awesome. did. did a lot of good things this summer. And I like some of the moves they made. Uh, not just the analytics part, but I think they have a good team now at the moves they made. Um, yep. I think they're going to be a good team this year. Okay. Well, figure they moved. They moved people off the roster. They too. moved people off the roster, right. Yep. <clears throat> when they when they needed to. They signed Gardner and moved off the defense when they didn't need anymore. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, where did we hear that before? <laughs> All right. Which one do you want to go first? I'll go first. My Sabres bold prediction, and I 
debated even using this one because it almost sounds hot takey, especially, and it sounds like I'm just putting way too much stock into how the Lions are going to start. But it's a bold prediction, so let's be bold. Victor Olofsson, Olofsson, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a rousing start. Victor Olofsson scores more goals than Jeff Skinner this year. Ooh, I like that one. Okay. I do like that one too. Very good. And then for league-wide, my bold prediction is twofold. So I predict that the Atlantic Division finishes in, te- in terms of order of team in the standings exactly the same way it did last year. And the Metropolitan Division, not one team finishes in the same spot they did last year. Ooh, I like that. I like the like the little mix up there. Yeah. yeah well done, Anthony. Well done. Good luck following that one up, Bill. <laughs> I, I know. I'm still struggling with my Sabres bold prediction. Uh, Otro doesn't make it through the seat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's a bold prediction, Bill. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I'm going to go NHL first. I think you're going to see – a lot of rookies have some good seasons this year. I really like uh, – I think both Hughes brothers are going to do really well. Capococco, I think, is going to have a really good year with the Rangers. And Chad, our boy, Kale McCarr, I think is going to be a stud in Colorado. Um, and Colorado is going to do really well this year, so it's going to be a good situation that he's going into. So I would say look out for your rookies. I think they're – I mean, you could even throw Olofsson in there, right? So – Yeah. I will say with Olofsson, quick on the rookies uh, – if Olsen is in the rookie of the year contest, rookie of the year contest, pff, rookie of the year <laughs> consideration, um, we all still have to be angry about his age because he's 24 and he shouldn't be considered a rookie. So I just want to put that out there. We all yelled about Bington, so same rules have to apply for Olsen, just so everybody's aware of that. Prerequisite to how that goes. Actually, I could make that my bold prediction. Eh? You could if you want to. Do it, Bill. I mean, Do I think it. it's 40, 40 goals. Put it on that, record. Uh, that gives you rookie of the year. Victor Put on record. Is that going to be your official bold prediction? <laughs> if he's rolling with Eichel and Reinhardt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Yeah, right. We, I, I didn't want to go 30, and then 20 minutes later, you got me saying rookie of the year with 40. Yeah, right. You're, every every 10 minutes, it keeps going up. You're going to say 50. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> being Ovechkin this year. <laughs> All right. He's got a stuff. shot. I like him. Kid does have a shot. So I'll, I'll give him that. Good, good. And like you said, all these dudes go up there and score goals. That's all they're asking for him, right? Those two guys just score goals and don't mess it up, basically. That's all they have to do. So that's it. That's our Outlook podcast. It was depressing in the beginning. Yelling. Some cursing. Uh, we tried to liven up a little bit in the second half. Hopefully we did that. It's... um. I mean, it's an exciting time, right? I mean, the season's starting. Hockey's back. You know, well, there's, there's obviously reason to be excited for the season. You never know. Um, we'll see how things go. I mean, we had a 10-game winning streak last year, and then we had one of the worst teams for the rest of the season after that. So ups and downs are expected to come. We'll see what kind of team we have here. Expectations aren't great, but doesn't mean they can't beat it. So there's my there's my optimism for you going into the season. So. Try to enjoy it. Try to get excited about the season. Even those of you who are down, you know, it's hockey. Hockey's back. We have something to watch. I think um, your your sentiment is it's hockey. You never right. know, baby. Exactly. Exactly. It's well said. You never know, baby. Exactly. It's well said, Bill. So I'll get into my little rain here at the end. Um, make sure that you are following everybody on Twitter at Sandra Sports, at CMD Dominicis, at Bill Shockey, and then at BTB Hockey for the podcast. Uh, make sure you follow us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and also on Dive of the Blade. You can find our podcast as well as a ton of excellent content from all the writers on that site. So again, rate, share on all those sites. Uh, ratings are awesome. Uh, we'll even take some critique if we need it. Uh, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like Bill's Twitter kind of gets more angry about stuff. I was told to not be a negative Nancy numerous times. I said Josh Allen isn't bad. So hopefully we won't have a lot of people telling us to stop being negative about the Sabres. And but I think a lot more people think they're bad than the Bills. But whatever, I digress. Continuing on, um, I think that's it. So I think I'm actually good. I think I hit everything. Uh, we're uh, Anthony, not Anthony, you're Anthony. Uh, Keith and I <laughs> are going to be starting the Amrix. Um, weekly podcast at the end of the week. Uh, the Amherst open the season on Friday. 
So we'll get a uh, season preview podcast out for that. Uh, I know Anthony has one more um, team left to be lightning to do for his round the Atlantic preview. Um, I have one or two more analytics podcasts to do, uh, depending if we can hammer down one of the evolving wild twins, but they are very busy right now trying to get their stuff out for the season starts. We'll see if that works, but a lot of podcasts coming out here. Weekly podcasts hopefully coming back out every single week and yeah, that's it. Any, any words for the people before we cut out here, fellas, anything you want to add? It was actually really funny the other day, Anthony, when, uh, I was trying to be positive and you told me that's not what these days are for. <laughs> and I had to bring up the torches. I got a good laugh at that at work. You're welcome. I think it's the overall vibe, right? It's kind of that half, half people trying to say be positive, half people saying, how could you be positive? So I think that's kind of, I think in a way that encapsulates the kind of feeling between all Sabres fans right now. Yeah. I just, mm-hmm. this whole time I've just been scared, staring at Skinner, Johansson, Rodriguez, and it's such a nice shade of blue. <laughs> well that's a good way to end it the nice shade of blue is how we'll end things so for bill for anthony for chad we're we'll out of here this week enjoy the opening night um pittsburgh on thursday new jersey on saturday hope i got that right uh, 50th anniversary jerseys on saturday i'm pretty sure they're wearing those nice new bad boys so we'll get to see that so if anything else at least they'll look fashionable if they're not good so give them that so Big shout out to my younger brother Nick for having his wedding day on the home opener. That was oh, that's good. good. That, was, that was nice of him. Right? That was kind of <laughs> maybe he's saving you. <laughs> yeah, well, You'll be giving him a true <laughs> shout out next week. <laughs> I, told, I told him I'm not wearing a suit. I'm wearing a Sabres jersey at the altar. He's got a deal. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll have to ask you next week if you think that he hurt you or he saved you. So we'll have to. We'll have to that's a follow we'll, up for next week. Halfway, halfway through the reception, Anthony had a bag in his head. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so good all right so we are out of here this week we will talk to you next week enjoy the beginning of the season hopefully things go better than we talked about in the beginning but you know we'll see how it goes so talk to you guys next week thanks for listening see ya